Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. is uh, Awkward Talks About Things That Matter. So I do a, a few of those shows and I have the radio station as well. So give me some examples of some awkward conversations or topics that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, we talk about porn addiction. We talk about mm-hmm. rejection, jealousy, um, overdosing, drugs, when your friends don't share your drugs with you, how that makes mm. you feel on the dance floor. Um, it's, you know, all the awkwardness that most people would never share and never open up about. We dive straight in there. Like when people owe you money or you owe them money, <laughs> anything that feels uncomfortable, basically. So it's, it's a talk for, for a reason. If it's awkward. We're in. What was the latest one you talked about? Um, the last one that I had was, we were talking about masculine, um, Oh yeah, it was basically about what it kind of truly means to be a man, like the masculine side of things growing up in a mm. um, beautiful spiritual world that we have now where everyone's fighting for the feminine. And there's a lot of uh, men that are being left behind. So we're talking about the rise of the um, of the toxic masculine and transforming that into something more conscious. Hmm. So what was the back and forth like? What was the awkward nature of it? With I'm, I'm assuming you were talking um, with someone or was it? Yeah, there was there was three guests on that one, so it was me plus three guests, and it's just I asked them raw questions about how they really feel um, about the rise of women, uh, what that's made them feel like in the bedroom, and whether they kind of want women in that way, um, like sexually, whether it puts them off. We talk about um, the disempowerment side of things. We talk about feminism from a man's perspective and the need to be seen to be pleasing everyone at the moment um, and what that actually does to their mental health and how much pressure it puts on them. Mm. And what was your perspective on all those things? Um, I My perspective's uh, pretty wide open. I, I can see from all sides. So I do a lot of work in, in kind of the conscious realms and I don't really look at something from a one side anymore. A lot of my work is around looking at it from a 360 perspective. So I can see all sides for and against of most subjects, which most people find quite irritating because they like to <laughs> they like you to uh, to be very set on one thing. But I have a lot of opinions, um, but I, I'm not you know scared of sharing those opinions. But I you know I also see things from both sides, so I don't really get to a point where it's that awkward anymore. But I used to. I used to. Now is a very very easier you know much easier time for me because I'm I'm willing to go in any dark shadow corner of a conversation. I feel the same way. My, my podcast is pretty much mostly about that, is really diving deep, kind of down the rabbit hole about different conversations. Mm-hmm. Like I had a guy on who's a, a porn addict and he's essentially, he went really crazy and about like his life and jail and all this stuff. And now he does like TED Talks about it. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, these these transformations, I think the darker it gets, the lighter it can be um, mm. when you talk about it in the end. So, you know, people who go to the darkest places who we judge, you know, we're judging them for doing this, that or the other, and we have our opinions on them. But when they come out and they talk about their dark times, they're usually the ones that shine light for everyone. 
I feel like a lot of people who have been in that situation, they've had to do a lot of work. Like they've been tested and they've had to really look inward and really actually change. It's hard for mm -hmm. people to change. You get stuck on certain things and you don't want to, that inertia keeps you doing the same thing, you know? Totally. We can all stand on the side and judge people, but until you really go through something, until you're really willing to own the shame of what you have around that situation, that's where the alchemy is. I had a really great conversation with a friend of mine this morning, Andy, and he said to me, you know, shame is alchemy until you're willing to go through your shame and share it there's no growth. And it's so true. It's, you know, that's the transformative part is owning it and, and moving past it. But you can only do that if you move through it. Why do you think people have such a hard time moving through it? Because they're busy judging themselves and they're judging other people and they don't want to be seen in a certain way because we're all trying to control each other and how we, you know, how we see each other. And that's just the nature of the reality that we're living in at the moment. We've been led to believe that, you know, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody has to have a great looking, you know, personalized filter and a certain amount of followers on Instagram, you know, in order to be seen and accepted. And it's just not true, but it's just the perception of reality that we have right now. How has that influenced you, this whole generation of technology and social media? Um, well, I, you know, I was one of the last few to grow up without any social media or without any tech. So as I left school, we just started getting mobile phones and I've enjoyed my time on social media when I had it. Um, I don't have any anymore, so I don't have Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter. I haven't had anything for just over two years. My life's completely changed and become much better without it. Um, and I, I have a, a completely different approach to, you know, work and business. Everything I do is organic and I do it through a, you know, an, a natural reach. I, I have a YouTube channel, but I don't do any of the algorithms. I don't work behind doing any of the tags. I literally post and see what comes my way. Cause I, I strongly believe that, you know, we're powerful beings and the vibration of whatever I'm putting out will find its match somewhere. And I'm willing to take a little bit longer without manipulating that because I don't, I'm not doing it with a need to be seen. I'm doing it because it actually makes me happy and I want to express. So I'm, I'm willing to kind of take my foot off the pedal and, and walk up to it rather than try and win the race, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And uh, I was, it was smiling when you said that uh, because I'm the same way. I don't have any of that stuff. I mm -hmm. actually just have LinkedIn. That's it. I've had it forever. And uh, I've made a concerted effort to do the same exact thing you said. I'm like, I just, I just do it. And yeah. whatever happens, happens. I don't want to manipulate the system and try to get me more things or attention. And I think that this, this uh, seeking attention in a very inauthentic way creates a weird ripple in your life. Yes, it does very much. So I've had that in the past. I realized my addictions to attention and my addictions to drama were major factors in my life. Um, and, and they had to go, but you know, I, that was a hard process because my attention, you know, was the way I thought I connected to people through love was through attention. And that just wasn't true. So it was a very dark and lonely time realizing that, but it, it was transformative nonetheless. You said addiction to drama. What does that mean? Sorry. Say that again. I couldn't quite hear you. Sorry. You said, you said addiction to drama. What, what does that mean? Addiction yeah. to drama? Everything needs to be, you know, emphasized. It needs to be exaggerated in some way. If there was any kind of stuff going on, it's being addicted to gossip, um, going into, you know, conversations that don't belong to you, being part of the global drama, buying into things, you know, any time that there was something going on, it was like, you know, wow, God, you know, this is so important. And it's, it's not, it's really not a lot of the noise, you know, a lot of the stuff is just noise. And I was getting distracted yeah. in, you know, so many ways. And drama in my life, you know, I could have made things so much simpler. A friend of mine, Remco, I love to beat like to bits. And he said, Nat, simplify your life, like simplify it. And I was thinking, I don't even know how to do that. And I was really trying <laughs> and it was a couple of years and it, you know, it really was a messenger telling me, you know, sit the hell down and just look at it all from an outside perspective. It's like your life is crazy. And it's true. You know, there, there's so much beautiful magic in my life that I'm not in control of that, happens anyway there was no need for me to create and you know hold on to drama I can just you know live in the magic and that's that's enough but at the time it was you know magic and synchronicities and drama and you know you know two phones and three or four jobs mm. and trying and trying and trying it was just wasted effort 
does that do you still feel the feel the pull towards that sometimes um occasionally when there's something really juicy happening you know I'm the first person to be like oh I want to know what that is you know I want to be the one to share that but at the same time it, it really dawned on me it was um when the pandemic hit I sent out I've I've had for a long time a, a long list of things on my phone that just in case you know the everything goes to pot we basically um need to have a kind of survival list and it's something I've been writing down for years because I've been looking into you know what could take place on the planet and I had this list and I sent it out to quite a few of my friends at the beginning of the pandemic and said, look, this is a preparation list. It's not a panic list. Um, if you need to get anything, this is what you'll probably need to get. I've sent it around. So a few people got back to me and said, oh my God, this is amazing. Thank you. I'm going to go to the supermarket, get all that I need. I've ordered my stuff. Some people were like, nah, you know, drop it out with the conspiracies. This is not, you know, this is not going to be as bad. We're not going to have a, you know, a rush for anything. Like, And then somebody else asked me to take them off uh, my round robin list, they called it. And, um, and then lo and behold, within literally about a week and a half, things started getting quite bad. And within three or four weeks, I had more people messaging me back saying, Hey, now I deleted your list. Would you mind sending it to me again? And since that time, loads of people been asking for it throughout the year. And I, at the time, didn't dare send that message because I thought, is this me playing into drama? Is this me, you know, wanting to, you know, spread the message that doom's coming and I was like it's Mm -hmm. not it's because I care I cared about those people and I wanted if anything does go wrong this is why I'm sending that message and I had to deal with the flack that I got from sending that but you know I I really had to sit with myself and say is this drama is it not and it wasn't it was because I actually you know give a damn about them and I think I wanted to help so it's you know drama can pop up anywhere you just have to question yourself why you're doing something before you do it and then if you're honest with the answer the drama doesn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, it can sneak in at any moment. Well, isn't that the question? If you Are you actually asking yourself, is this something that I'm doing for attention or to, you know, I don't know that a lot of people actually question that, ask that question of themselves. It's, it's, it's paramount. It's, you know, every time you post something on social media, why are you doing it? All you have to say is, why am I posting this today? It might be because you feel like you need to be accepted. It might be because you feel like you need love. You might need to be seen. You might need to be heard. You might need, you know, some kind of attention in some way. Not all posting is bad posting. But if you don't know why you're doing it, where it's coming from, it's a form of a habit. And habits don't usually work for us um, when they're, you know, addictive in that sense. So asking yourself those questions allows you to reach into a different space and allows you to see your actions in that moment. But again, you know, not many people do think like that, but it is on the rise. Oh, you know, I'm not the only person that did that, but it massively helped me from cutting out the the crap. Do you see that? So it feels like you're more intentional about your posting or you really think about why am I doing this when I'm putting this mm-hmm. out? Yes, is it the, the same way with your... The wise. Now with your radio shows and stuff, do you, are your topics based on that too? Or you just, how are you selecting things you want to talk about? Um, usually things come to me, um, in terms of subjects Mm -hmm. and, you know, ideas. I am a massive believer in God. I have absolute faith and his plans always better than mine. Um, Mm -hmm. whenever I make a plan, it ends up going wrong somehow, or it completely changes and I'm in a different direction. And I think, God, why did I do this? And, you know, the answer comes back. It's like, (laughs) because it's your plan, you know, it's, he's always got a better plan than me. And I do everything off the, off the cuff now. I don't plan for anything. So if there's a topic that we're talking about, it's nine times out of 10, it's because somebody has discussed it with me either that day or that week. And I've just run out and (laughs) said, let's, let's go with it. Um, so it's, yeah, these things get presented to me in that way. Speaking of God, uh, do you think that, you know, what do you think that it is that why people have issues maybe discussing religion or spirituality with each other? Um, I think that's very clearly why they have a, a problem is because we don't really know how to communicate. If we knew how to communicate and share our ideas and our beliefs and, you know, to do it with love and from a place of acceptance for other people's different ideas, we wouldn't have any of the problems that we have at the moment. It's because we try and force our information onto some people. We try and avoid other people's opinions and information. Most of us don't want to hear it. We're too busy judging them and thinking that they're stupid for having another idea. We, you know, we attack ourselves and people can blame the government and the setup of religion. And that hasn't helped. And the manipulation over years has been quite vast. But it's, you know, we're in control of what comes out of our mouth. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it may look and sound differently, <laughs> but we are, you know, I, I've a few times I've thought to myself, wow, 
I could have done that differently. And in hindsight, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but we are in control of what we say. And if we went a little bit slower and we learned to listen, you know, with the intent to learn rather than the intent to prove wrong or to answer back, things would be different. And I'm not saying that I've been perfect to that at all, but I know from my own mistakes, you know, we can't have a lot of conversations with a lot of people because we never even, you know, ask them if it's the right time. You never say, oh, hi, can I, you know, can I grab you for a five minute coffee to talk about religion? Because you just don't do that. You just go straight in with it. And, you know, if you ask the question, the answer would probably be not today, thanks. And then, you know, regardless of what information you want to bring, that person's not wanting to listen. So trying to change someone's mind when they don't want to listen is, you know, it's a massive, it's like pushing water uphill. It really is pointless. Yes. Yes. You know, a lot of people offer their opinion without the other person asking for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it creates defensiveness with people. It's like, well, listen, let me tell you how to do this. But that you, nev- you never asked if they wanted your opinion mm-hmm. on the thing. And that yeah. always creates a lot of tension, I feel, too. It's like just forcing your opinion on something that it wasn't asked for you to give it. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, you know, we're all learning. It's not it's not always bad when someone gives an opinion. And this is, you know, something I have when I think about a lot of communication people out there when they focus on, you know, always ask if somebody wants your opinion. And yes, it's amazing to do that. But sometimes there are scenarios where your opinion does matter and it does change someone's life in some way because they've accepted it. They wouldn't have known to ask for it or they wouldn't have known that they wanted to listen to it. But because they hear your opinion, they're like, oh, okay, cool. So it's, we can try and tailor the way we talk as much as possible, but also not to the point where you're not authentic anymore, where you're not coming from your true space. Because sometimes if you're constantly trying to hold space for a conversation that's just about to happen, you're not going to bring your truth to it. You're going to bring your reserved version of yourself. And yes, that's that can be safer sometimes, but it can also be very less you know, genuine, which can seem really patronizing and also come across really fake. So you feel like you're talking to someone that isn't really showing you who they are. They're trying to manipulate and control who they want to be seen as. Um, So I'm kind of in and out of communication in the fact that you have to be yourself. You can't be this perfect version. That's not life and that's not the intention. But if you're willing to change and slightly alter and be willing to listen and, and, you know, go through a few back and forth conversations where it might not be perfect, but you're, you know, you're debating in a healthy way, you know, and we have emotions. We're going to respond to that. But being on your tiptoes the whole time and trying to be perfect it's painful. It really is, you know, blindingly painful for the people on the outside as well as on the inside. Yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of situations that you have to be good at sensing the situation. I think sometimes, like I know people on both sides who are like, always tell their opinion no matter what. And then Mm -hmm. people who are very reserved. And I think you have to understand who you're talking to, what the timing is, the situation, understanding the person. Because, yeah. I mean, you could be too reserved and it's like, ah, oh, I should have said something. And then you could just be someone who just constantly says things. And it's like, well, listen, you got to pull back sometimes. You can't always just say what is on your mind constantly, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, there's, you have to, and some people are not the best at that, at understanding the situation, the timing, the persons, where they're at in their life. Yeah, I think there's so many factors for that. Yeah, there is. A lot of people want to try and share their truth because they feel like there's some empowerment in it in some way. And telling your truth is one thing. Knowing how to share your truth is another. So, you know, saying your absolute truth can be radically painful for somebody else receiving that. And you need to make sure that you deliver it with a, you know, on a soft cushion with a place of love. Um, But a lot of people think just because it's my truth and I've got it out there, I'm winning in some way, or I'm better than in some way, or at least I'm being honest. Sometimes you're just being a dick. Sometimes you're just being a horrible person yeah. and you just say it as it is. And that, <laughs> that kills someone on the other side of that. And and you, it might be your truth, but your truth is you don't want to be seen as a horrible person and you've just displayed that horrible act. So the truth behind your truth is that, you know, you just want to be loved as well. And that means that you have to learn how to love someone in the process and and slamming someone's truth in their face is not necessarily um, a loving act. And it was funny, somebody messaged me the other day um, and they said they were quite um, vocal, shall I say, on um, responding to messages on YouTube and also uh, on a private message group that we were on. 
And um, they ended up getting kicked out of the messenger group that we were on because of the way mm. that they spoke. And when I spoke to them on the side and said, you know, what what was the reason for that? Um, and they said, oh, well, you know, I'm just used to speaking my truth. And, you know, some people I used to, you know, really enjoy it. And that's how people wake up. And I was just like, wow, you know, mm. that's not right. You know, what you're doing is it's painful for the other people. And it doesn't, you know, it, that's not spiritual of you. And and there's no space for you in that in that place. There's nothing healthy that can come from that. You're not your job is not here to wake people up. No one's job is here to wake people up. <laughs> it's to, you know, arrange a different perception maybe and help them see things in a different way. But, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, rudely awoken. But she'd created an identity out of waking people up in that way and thought that that was just her doing them a favor. And it was just a wrong narrative. And I said, in, in, no, you know, you're talking to me. I hope you don't mind me saying, but this is like not the way to do it. It's yeah. it's offensive. And it, you know, and it changed for her from that moment. But most people would never have bothered to take the time with her to ask why that happened. And I, I thought, I want to get to the bottom of this because this is pretty brash and how you're speaking. Um, yeah. I'd love to know where that comes from because it just doesn't make any logical sense. But no. she was open to me asking and, you know, it just, it helped, you know, it helped me understand her. It helped her understand maybe why that probably wasn't a good idea. And maybe hopefully it's helped somebody in the future that she now won't do that to. Are you experiencing a similar thing um, on your side of the world? And as we are in the U.S. with, um, obviously the, the internet's everywhere, but just with like, incredible amounts of information and disinformation and extremism. Is that a thing that you see over there or no? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely everywhere. Um, and I feel like uh, there's a lot of information from everywhere coming in as misinformation and our ability to discern information has been radically reduced because we're so busy checking out of our lives and emotions. We don't really know how we feel anymore. So by trying to determine what's right and what's wrong or what's real and what's false. Uh, we're limited on that superpower at the moment because we're, you know, we're not used to feeling our feelings. So we can quite quickly take a headline and we can run with that headline before we've even read the article. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I termed it CRD, which is something that I've, I've been working on for some time that came to me. And CRD is basically context replacement disorder that I made up one day. I was thinking, what is, you know, how can I term this? And it's so many contexts are being replaced in so many different media outlets. And that is manipulating our perception of our society in such a way that it's fundamentally wrong on many ways, sorry, in many ways. And it's, it's allowing people to live an existence that's a complete fabrication of what's taking place on the planet. And then they'll build an identity around that information. And then from that point, they'll go and argue with someone and get into a fight based on this false belief that there's now been planted mm -hmm. in their head. And this is global. This is not, you know, specific to the U S election by any stretch. This is <laughs> absolutely, you know, is, and that's the, that's the greatest example of it at the moment is, you know, the world's being told to, you know, I, I'm not particularly a, a fan of anybody in, in a way I say this, I'm not anybody's 100% fan. And what I mean by that is because everybody can get things wrong all the time. I, you know, I can, I love some bits of information that people say. I love some acts that people do, but I don't idolize anyone. I don't, I'm not a, a major fan of any one person in its entirety. It's more about something, you know, who they are and what they can do. Um, that I love. And what I see at the moment is we on a global factor are being told to hate a man called Donald Trump. And we're being told every day in the media and being uh, fed information about how much we're hating someone. So regardless of what he's actually doing, uh, you know, to which I've never met the guy, he lives on the other side of the planet, I can't hate him. We're being told to hate someone. That makes me question the media more than it makes me question Donald Trump. That makes me question those outlets more than it makes me question his, you know, ways of doing things and how he's running his operation because my source of information cannot be trusted. So therefore I need to question that in its entirety rather than going, yeah, I hate him too and start joining a fan club of how much we hate someone we've never met, which is a sick idea in itself, but it's something that's manifested in its tenfold. I feel like we do that with a lot of things and think about like yeah. celebrity culture, like we end up liking or really following somebody or something that we actually don't know much about on the inside. Yeah, totally. That's a lot of pop culture is somebody likes an artist, a singer, uh, mm -hmm. 
anybody in the news and you go, oh, I really like what this person's about. You actually don't even know that person. You never met them. Exactly. You don't know what they're like behind closed doors. Is this the face they're giving you in public versus they're in, you know, somewhere else? I feel like that's kind of been a thing for a long time, just very hyper sensitive mm. about it now in a way, you know. Yeah, we're looking for perfect. We're looking for whole, but we're not going to find perfect and whole. We're going to find people that are broken in a, you know, in a system that is not designed for us to thrive. And it's, you know, we're not the best versions of ourselves right now. So looking for someone perfect and to align with you on everything that you think and feel, you're really looking for a needle in a haystack and it's going to leave you very disappointed in many ways. Most definitely. And I would imagine the coverage that you guys are getting at Trump is pretty large as well and things of that nature because the media is pushing all these different yeah. things on both sides mm -hmm. of the deal. Yeah, and It's very hard much to trust so. your eyes. It's very hard to trust your eyes and your ears these days. Yeah. Well, I trust the lies. And what I mean by that is if mm. there is a manipulation of some case, if there's, if there's a twist in the story against what I know has already taken place, or if there is, let's say, a um, a kind of de-censoring of, uh, sorry, a censoring of information. I trust, you know, the lies, you know, when people say, oh, you can't, you know, that's been, that's been proven to be wrong. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. And I'll follow that and I'll, I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, well, why have they, why have they taken that information down? Why is that really healthy immune diet that's up there helping everyone with COVID? Why is that now being taken down by this official doctor? What is the narrative? Why is that being destroyed? And why is that doctor now being sacked? You know, I, I look at these things and I, I trust the lies because they speak for themselves. And, and that for me helps me get more clarity on what's going out there is, you know, if somebody's being hushed or silenced or killed off or whatever it is, there's a reason for that because there's a different story behind what we're being told. So trust the lies because they'll never lie to you. Interesting. Do you have another example of that potentially that, you know, a lot of people um, would be aware of? Yeah. Um, let me think. There's just a few things that I'm thinking. Um, I think the best one would probably be, um, say, the, for example, the vaccine. Um, that's taking place at the moment and it's being rolled out and it's okay. being the most amazing vaccine ever. And it's so quick to come out and it's super effective and, you know, it's there and it's all for people to use and they've saved the day in the same year that the virus arrived. And, and everyone's being told this story of how beautiful it is and they're going to do public, you know, vaccinations of some of the prime ministers and some of the presidents or some of the, um, you know, the people in, in politics just to prove to us that this thing is safe. But at the same time, you look at what has been known as the leading science in our world of Oxford and, and Stanford and Harvard, and you take some of the three biggest, um, you know, biologists and people who know what they're talking about, and you've got real good reputations, and they've had strong careers in these universities. They decided to come out with a different solution on how we deal with COVID, and that it doesn't need to involve vaccines, and that we can we can look for a safer option. And it's all about looking after ourselves and our diet, and and not having to wear masks. And it's something called the um, Great Barrington Project. And these are people that you would send your kids to school in, in a hope that they would one day be taught by these amazing people um, that are so good at what they do. And then all of a sudden, they're you know they're shadow banned. And they're being taken off the air and they can't share their information and they're losing their social media platforms. And you're like, really? Like, are you, are we sure? Like, why are we doing that? Free speech is gone. And, and it's, that's when I'm saying, if that happens to someone, if someone gets shadow banned or someone gets taken out in some way, you have to look at why. But when you start asking the question as to why, you also have to be willing to hear the answer because most people don't want to know what the answers are because the answers are pretty dark. And that's the bit where we get lost. People then decide to just jump on Instagram, put their head in the sand or say, oh, no, I'm not I'm not going down that rabbit hole. It's OK. It's just not happened to me. But it's, you know, you've got to take responsibility with yourself and also the information that you receive and be willing to find out the, the truth of the situation. And it can be pretty dark. Let me add to that on that. So one of the things I think kind of in line with this is, again, jump in on mm. what you see in England. Um, but in America, we have a huge health issue uh, yeah. of obesity and overweight. Yeah. And this information has been given zero airtime during this mm -hmm. whole thing. 
of the drastic, unhealthy nature of the United States of America. And so we give zero, zero attention to better nutrition, better, Mm -hmm. less stress in your life, better exercise habits, all these things Mm. that seems to be covered up to me here tremendously. And I'm in the fitness field. I've been in for 20 years. Um, and this is very obvious to me, but when I look around the news, I don't see any of this at all Mm. as important factors in that we already have pandemics and epidemics of diabetes and obesity, but those aren't giving any attention at all. And I wonder why, Oh, when I question that, you know? Yeah. Well, I questioned the very same thing amongst other things as well. And there's a, there's a fine line between conspiracy theory and bloody good question. And Mm. most people will brand somebody else with a conspiracy theorist hats because they aren't willing to answer the bloody good question. And that for me, um, was a rabbit hole that I went down and conveniently it's not, you know, you don't have to go very far. This is what I want to say first before I actually say what I'm going to say is that most people, if they're questioning something and they all go looking for the answer, how come everybody gets to the same answer? That would usually mean that that is probably the answer. And when you go on your little rabbit hole journey and you go to look for information, nine times out of 10, you get to the same place as everybody else has got to. And it's a dark place. And that means there's trouble ahead. That means that there's going to be life changes. There's that information that you're about to take on board is going to affect you in some way, which is where most people put their head in the sand, where other people are willing to look at why, and they're willing to follow the money trail and they're willing to follow that information and find out where that goes. And as I said, it's a dark journey and it's not one everybody wants to go down and it can destabilize you finding out information. And then the more you're looking for, the more you can find. But the same goes for if you're looking on the opposite side of the information, whatever you're looking for, this is the nature of reality and quantum physics, whatever you're looking for, you will find. If you want to believe that this is not the way it is, you will find all the information to support your ideas. If you want to believe it is completely, you know, unfortunately, a massive conspiracy theory that is becoming true, you will also find the information for that conspiracy theory. There are always two options on, you know, on earth here and whichever you choose to believe more so you'll find evidence for more of. And I looked at the, you know, looking at the pandemic and looking at it from a different perspective from the very early on in March, my first thought, I didn't, I didn't believe in it in this, you know, in a, in a full sense. And then I thought, you know what, people are dying. There's definitely something happening. We can't ignore the fact that people are dying, but what are they dying of and how are they dying and are they being treated in the right way? And why is everybody now dying of COVID and nobody's died of flu? You know, there was all these different things that I was looking at. And the main thing for me was it's very convenient. Convenient. I follow the financial markets quite a lot um, and I, I have done for quite a number of years. I've been following the crypto markets and looking at different things. Our economy was going to crash at some point, regardless of whether there was a COVID or not, our economy was going to crash. If anybody knows anything about finance, you already know what happened in 07 and 08. You've looked at that. You've seen it. You understand why it happened. If you truly understand it, you'll realize that the financial system we have was always going to crash. And if it was going to crash without a pandemic, there would be a large amount of blame. And we'd be wanting to know why this thing had crashed. And we'd be wanting to know who we could blame and what that, what you know, what would be done about it. But with a COVID pandemic, it's very convenient that we all have to stay in lockdown, even though it's a 99.97, whatever it is, recovery rate for most people over 50. We now have to stay in lockdown and businesses are being ruined and everything's being destroyed, which will break the economy, which hasn't fully happened yet, but we will see that next year. And that is one of the things that is very dark because you think, why do people, why would people want to ruin everyone's business? And it's, it's not that they wanted to, it's because they were trying to live in a system that wasn't going to work for everyone and it was always going to break. So rather than, you know, ignore that fact, they covered it up and they've covered it up very well. And there's no logical sense for why any business is now closed. It doesn't make any sense. If you can go to the supermarket, you can go to any business you want. You walk past the same people in the supermarket, you can walk past the same people in a in a hairdresser's or, a, you know, in wherever it is you go in a pub, 
but it's none of this makes sense. But it does when you look at it from a financial perspective and you realise they actually wanted to crash the economy because it was going to crash anyway. So this is now the perfect excuse and cover up. And it's something that I strongly believe in. And there's so much evidence if you're willing to look. So talk to me a little bit. I love this line about the line between conspiracy theory and bloody good question. Yeah. (laughs) How do you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference? You've got to be willing to ask the question and you've got to be willing to, you know, get the answer. Give me an example of something that is a conspiracy theory, maybe very out there versus a bloody good question. That's maybe, okay. I mean, maybe, no, maybe separate into what you're doing. Yeah, give me one. I'll give you one. Okay, so conspiracy theory, 9-11. People don't like to go down that rabbit hole because it's a big one. However, I'd like to know why on the BBC did they say that Tower 7 had fallen down before it actually had fallen down? Why did they do that? Why did they actually do a news report with Tower 7 behind them in full view? And at that time, while Tower 7 was behind the news reporter, why did they actually then say, hey, we've just heard reports, Tower 7's gone down? No, it hasn't. It's behind you in the video you're recording from. Why did they lie about that and why did they remove the footage? That's one question. There are millions of questions around 9-11. That's a bloody good question. No one can answer it. It's the same reason why the day before 9-11, all that money was announced to have gone missing from the Pentagon. Nobody spoke about it after 9-11 because everybody was talking about 9-11. But they lost trillions the night before, which was never mentioned again. These questions need to be answered because they lead to people thinking that's conspiracy theory. But maybe it is a conspiracy that maybe one or two people wanted something to be a certain way. And this is the other thing is conspiracies are one or two people sorry, two or more people wanting to do harm or planning something against someone else that's not in their benefit. You can have a conspiracy theory in a playground. Two people could bully a young kid. It's a conspiracy. And this is the thing is this word conspiracy has been associated with us being nuts or us being crazy. And it's a manipulation of the word. And it's the amount of times people have said to me, oh, just be careful you're not thinking so much or your brains might fall out. That's never happened to anyone. No one's brains have ever fallen out from the amount that they've been talking or looking looking at. It just It's just a way of shutting someone up. And, you know, saying people are wearing tinfoil hats. It's honestly just an ostr- ostrich situation, which is where you just put your head in the sand. But when you've got your head in the sand, you've got your ass in the air. I'd rather not have my ass in the air hanging out. You know, I'd rather have my head up knowing what's going on and looking and finding my own information. I don't want to pretend that this stuff isn't happening because there's really good questions out there and they need answering. So when does it go too far in your estimation where something is just, when something maybe just outright is just crazy? Like, do you ever get to that point where you ask a bloody good question and it leads down to like pure craziness. Um, I see. I'm open to I'm open to any answer because I don't know everything. You know, there's there's nowhere I'm not willing to look at. You know, a lot of people in the conspiracy world will laugh at people who are also flat earthers. Now, I don't care whether the Earth is flat or whether it's round or whether it's square. It makes zero difference to my life because my ego is not attached to the answer of what it is. I personally happen to think that it's round, I could be very easily proved wrong because I don't know. Well, I the cost been is low to you. It doesn't matter. The cost is low for you yeah. caring. That's the point. Exactly. You know? and, and I'm willing to ask the question and I'm willing to be wrong if I need to be. I am so willing to be wrong. I wish I was wrong on so much of the information I found out about and I hope that I am because if I am, I'm cool with that because it means the world's much better than what I think it is right now. So I would love it to be wrong. I would love all of the stuff I've been looking at to be definite conspiracies, absolute waste of time and, you know, sick jokes. I would much prefer that. And I think everybody out there would much prefer that these conspiracy theories were sick jokes. But unfortunately, right. yeah. that's not the case. But I'm willing to be wrong. And and if I am, do you know what? It won't be the first or the last time I'm wrong. So, you know, I'll get over it. <laughs> It, 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 I'm not affected by that information. <laughs> and, it, you know, we all make mistakes. And it's this is what I said earlier. People are looking for perfect people. Like, crack on and find those perfect people. 
because they do not exist. That's a conspiracy. I don't conspiracy. know who that is. Yeah. No, exactly. That is, That's a, the that is a conspiracy. Yeah, is that, that is a conspiracy? Is out there. And it's it's an absolute joke. And it's something that we're being told, you know, out there, you know, there's all these crazy people, there's all these, you know, these nutters out there that think the world is this or think the world is that. These are the lies. You know what I said earlier? I believe the lies. I question if, like I said about Trump, I've never met the dude in my life. I probably will never meet Donald Trump. But if somebody is telling me to hate him, I'm going to question the person that's telling me to hate him because I want to know what their agenda is because I don't care about Donald Trump in that sense. If he's doing something good to save the planet, great. Is he probably the most articulate, you know, great articulate person that you'd want in a position like that? Probably not. Grabbing someone by the pussy is not a sentence that I think most people would want their president to say. However, most of the blokes that I know, and I'm going to say most, have at some point been on a WhatsApp group where there's been derogatory information handed around about a woman that they've been sleeping with. And that's just on their WhatsApp groups. So because he's got caught being a bit of a playboy and saying things, I can't judge his whole existence and his efforts in you know, the White House based on one comment that he made, because that's also unfair, unrealistic, and I'm looking for perfect. And he certainly is not perfect. I think it just doesn't also, make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I've actually, I, I am certainly, oh, let me put it this way. I've said this to many people. The projection of what I see, I don't like. Mm -hmm. However, I don't know this person. Like, I don't know, like, how he is with his family behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you know unless you really spend time with somebody? Exactly. You know? But then it becomes, why is a person projecting whatever they're projecting in their yeah. life? What is it they want you to see? I mean, if that's what he wants me to see, I don't like it. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if that's the real story. And I think that's, yeah. it's the same thing if someone is like, I'm diehard about, you know, in America here, this whole thing like Trumpism and I'm a Trumper and, and all these people yeah. say this. Now, I, I don't know, maybe like what they see, they like, but if mm -hmm. maybe if they saw the whole picture, they may not like, but they may also refuse to see the whole picture. Some people refuse to see the whole picture, I think. They do. And I think a lot of things is like, you know, we don't have to like everything that's good for us. And that's yes. the other thing is, you know, yes. people are out there saying, you know, I don't, I can't really be bothered to pay my car insurance and I don't want to pay it and it costs <laughs> me too much money or whatever. But you, you actually, even if you don't like it, it's bloody useful because it, yeah. if something happens and the shit hits the fan, sorry for swearing, but if something happens, oh, you've got your insurance. Yeah. You've got your insurance. We don't have to like everything that is out there in the world. And again, we're looking for perfect. Trump is not perfect. He might be the perfect idiot to some people. He might be the perfect pa perfect patriot to others. He might be whatever it is out there. But, you know, like somebody said the other day, which really cracked me up, and it's a very British saying, I think, and somebody said, we all fart in the bath. We are all human. <laughs> is that a British thing? <laughs> I don't know if it's a British thing, but it was a British person that said it on, on oh, TV okay. in the morning, and I was like, oh, my God. And it's, we all fart in the bath. And that means it, it takes away whatever you think about someone at home. That is what happens. And they are just being themselves in whatever way. And we don't have to love everyone. We don't have to accept everyone for everything. There is no such thing as perfect. But what we do have to do is be willing to be wrong and be willing to communicate whatever our you know feelings are in a better way. And when we can do that, life changes. Until then, we're stuck in this pretend Sims world that we think is the real Instagram that we're living in, and it's not. Isn't that kind of the strange thing about um, social media and, and all those things is this projection of a perfect reality and the smiles yeah. and the vacations and yeah. when you the know black that's mirror not reality. real. The black mirror, yeah. right, exactly. You know that's not real. You know like somebody got in an argument five minutes before they did that thing or something, you know, mm -hmm. like things happen. It's not, it's where's the, it's also like, if you ask somebody sometimes how old they are, they don't want to tell you because they don't want you to have this idea of like how old they actually are. I'm like, well, that's mm -hmm. the reality. You are this old. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are I, you I always this say stuff? when, 
when people say to me how old I how old I am, I always say twenty six for life, and I'm not twenty six. But when I say twenty six for life, my body's listening. I know I understand the power of your intentions mm. and your thoughts, and you know the water molecules within your body can be programmed in any which way you want. And I know that if I'm saying I'm actually as old as I am, then my body's going to believe that. So if I can. Not that I really care about age in the sense of, oh my God, I've got wrinkles because I don't think I have. But like, if I can say I'm 26 for life and that's what I'm going with, I'm going with it. But I'm honest about my story and I'm not going to lie to someone. I just say I'm 26 for life, you know, for life. And I could be, but it's me just having a joke and playing around with it. Now, if I wasn't saying how old I was and just saying I was 26 and I was meaning it genuinely seriously, you know. (laughs) I wouldn't be genuine, would I? I'd be lying. No. But it's 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 the way that you frame things and the fun that you have with your information and the lightheartedness that can determine, you know, how you how you do things, but that's not always the case on on social media and it's very much about how many followers I've got and how many likes have I got. And it is it ruins people's lives. It ruined it my life in so many ways. I was so mm. judgmental. Mm. so judgmental i was looking at people thinking i know your life's a lot like that and <laughs> hell no you are not that mm. happy today because i've just got off the phone to you and you're crying you know why are you now like hashtag blessed life and you're like really <laughs> what, what, what where's the blessing come from like you know it just doesn't yeah. it just it isn't consistent and it was really something that i needed to look at because i didn't want to sit there and judge everyone and i was that's my own part in it. I genuinely was judging people going, really? Okay. Not that I was perfect either, but you know, I was, I was seeing these inconsistencies. I'm like, nah, get off this shit. Like get off social yeah. media. It is not for you. And I've gone back to real human connection and it might take me longer to do stuff and I might not see certain people, but whoever I'm meant to see, God will put my way. I guarantee it. And it works out it's perfectly. Okay. It's okay. We've gotten to this big volume play that we yeah. need to have all these people that we don't know actually nah, follow us. Exactly. It's weird, actually, I think. It is weird. Can you imagine if that many people followed you in real life? You'd be like, uh, you'd be like a, a whole field of people behind you following you wherever you go. It is not normal. I remember when Facebook first came out and you could chuck a sheep at someone. Can you remember that? Yeah, I do remember. You could chuck that, a yeah. sheep at someone. Yeah, you could chuck a sheep at someone. And I'm like... Why would anybody ever want to chuck a sheep at someone? Yeah. But that was a craze. People were chucking sheep at people. And I'm like, in real life, it's never going to happen when you chuck a sheep at someone. And if you do, <laughs> you need to get locked up. But it just like, it's so much of it is bonkers. And it's just not normal. You used to be able to poke people. If imagine if in real life, if you yes. just poked someone. You poke somebody. Yeah. You get knocked the hell out if you poke someone in Yorkshire. <laughs> Like literally, if you poke someone up here, most people would be like, uh, what? And end up knocking you out because they don't take any shit. But, you know, no. you can't digitally poke people and just be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even saying, hey, it's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. And we all adopted it and we all bought into it because it was, you know, built like a game and we all played. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. If you really like, and this goes back to kind of your thing you were saying, and I'm very interested, like asking the question, I'm like, why do we need to have all these people follow us? Like, mm-hmm. like, cause you know, in your life, I mean, you, it's hard to hold space for a lot of people genuinely yeah. in your life and have meaningful really? relationships. So how can you do that with thousands and millions of people? I mean, like, I know just I, I've just, I did a interview with a guy called Mark Devlin the other day and on uh, YouTube and I only had like 71 subscribers or something. And uh, I think it was like 72 subscribers, sorry, before I interviewed him. Once I'd interviewed Mm -hmm. him, I've now jumped up to like 430 or something I think I'm on today. And I've seen it creep up every day. But with that comes emails every day and it comes comments and it comes interactions. And I want to have interactions with people because they're saying nice things or they're being genuine. So I want to, you know, be responsible for the community that I'm now building and and care for them in some way and connect with them in some way. But it's exhausting at the same time because mm-hmm. imagine if I had a Facebook and a Twitter and a TikTok and a Snapchat <laughs> and something, you know, no. a, and an Instagram and no. my YouTube and my emails and my WhatsApps and my friends and my family. Like it is not normal. It is insanity to have all that, you know, it's like being 24 seven available. Well, I'm not asleep for a good eight hours a day. So that halves that right down. You know, I don't have time. I don't have time for everyone. And that's just me with one platform. You know, I don't know how people do it with more platforms. I don't know either. And that's why I feel like we're we're kindred spirits in this. Like I, (laughs) 
you know, with my podcast, I've done so many, I've done 200 plus episodes, but it's not wow. promoted that well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, well, what is well, you know, you think about it, like I just basically put it out on my LinkedIn because that's where I like to meet other people in my profession yeah. and just having, you know, type of thing. That's it. That's yeah. literally it. And I think somebody said one time, well, why don't you have like a Twitter and Instagram? I said, I, I just seems like too much work. I just like yeah. to try to get people to listen, listen, either going to listen or they're not. And I'm okay with either, but at least two people are having a good quality conversation. And that's what this yeah. is. That's the. Point that's why I love podcasting. The same thing. I, I love podcasting because it's real. For first off, you can really get someone's vibe from telling mm -hmm. what their voice is like, and you can connect with that, you know, with that and resonate with it, and think, oh yeah, I like that person's voice, or I like what they're yeah. saying, because you're getting more of the texture of the conversation. But there's there's a realness to it, and you know, it, even if you planted an advert in between this podcast you're going to sell that advert. You're going to sell that product because it's coming from you. You're a real person. It's that personal touch. And podcasting has gone through the roof for that reason, because it, you're in someone's ear. You could be, they could be doing anything and you're in someone's ear talking to them. And now somebody will be listening to this and I'm talking in someone's ear and they're just doing whatever they're doing. And we're having a personal conversation that they feel like they're part of. And that's beautiful. That's a space that is very rare in this digital world. And that's why I believe, you know, 200 podcasts in you're on the right path because you have the ability to connect with people's ears and i think it's great i love it thank you so much nat i appreciate that i mean this has been really really good i have a lot of these conversations and um you're somebody i definitely like to come back to and chat i feel like checking in with you would be fun you can you yeah know? you can check in whenever you like no problem i'll make time <laughs> for you <laughs> thank you so much hey listen i really appreciate you coming on today and for having a, a very fun, honest, and uh, informative conversation. No, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. And I do, you know, I love talking about all different subjects and I can never do stuff that's planned. I can't plan anything because it Same just doesn't, doesn't flow right. You know, we can't plan life, so we can't plan a podcast. That's my, my one liner that I keep saying. Same Let's just here. wing it. Yeah, wing it. <laughs> Let's just wing uh, it. Because you know, it's like if you go meet like your friends, do you get out this big list and like, oh, I'm going to talk to Dave about these 10 things today, you know, no, or, and I'm like, I don't know. I just show up and I'm like, hey, man, hey, dude, what's up? And then we just start flowing. You know? Yeah. For me, the only thing I can plan is if I, if somebody really wants my time, like a podcast, I'll put it in the diary or if I need to do well, yeah. a really important call. But other than that, like the rest of the life, what's happening on the actual call, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm doing an interview, whether it's a video or not, you know, I, nothing can be planned. And that's when the magic yeah. happens when you're not, totally when you're willing agree. to give yourself space and you're willing for, you know, the universe or God or source or whatever it is you want to roll out. That shit happens when you make space for it. And that's when, you know, that's when the best parts of life can, can unfold. So no planning, don't hate Trump. And thank you very much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making the space, Nat. Appreciate it. Have a good one. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind, so let's tell a story with sound effects. <laughs> wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.